Uh, please turn your Bibles or scroll to your Bibles. Uh, they're on uh, Luke uh, chapter 18. Uh, it's so encouraging to be here. This park brings back so many memories for me personally. Uh, I became a Christian 11 years ago in our campus ministry there in Long Beach. And, uh, you know, being a young Christian, you dream a lot. You want to do great things for God. And uh, especially when everything was new, Christianity was new, the Bible was new, uh, really had a lot of hopes and dreams. Uh, but for me, uh, I was always, I'm, I'm, I still can be very timid, very scared, uh, kind of afraid of the unknown. I don't know if you can relate to that or not. And so, you know, as uh, many of us in the campus ministry, you know, a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-olds are kind of growing up in the faith together, uh, you know, you could just tell those that are zealous, those that are natural leaders, uh, you know, kind of rise up. And so I was one of the ones that would just kind of hide behind those kinds of leaders. Is this on here? And um, I remember uh, the, the friends that I grew up with had great, powerful, bold prayers, radical prayers. I remember one of my best friends uh, at the time, uh, he was just struggling with, with pride a lot. And, uh, you know, I remember I was praying with him. And he, uh, he prayed, God, do whatever it takes to humble me. That's a scary prayer. Help me be tired. Help me, help me to hate my pride. And, uh, you know, a few weeks later, uh, he's uh, entering the freeway and another car pulls up next to him and they kind of look at each other and the other guy from the other car kind of, you know, starts racing him. And, uh, you know, this was why he prayed that prayer, because this was some of his tendencies. And so he starts racing the other guy, and he crashes his car. And he totals his car, and, you know, he came into midweek and kind of told us his story, but he crashes his car, totals his car, and his, uh, his papers from school just kind of fly everywhere. And he gets out, and he's kind of in shock, and he's kind of picking up his papers. People pull over, and they're like, are you okay? Are you okay? And he's just kind of worried about, you know, his math papers or whatnot. And as he looks back to the car, he says, the whole car was total except that little box where he was sitting. And so when he's telling us this story, as he came into midweek bruised, and I thought about, wait a minute, I have to really be careful what I pray about. First of all, I don't have a car, I have a bike. But that was kind of my tendency, and it still can be, where I'm afraid to ask God for different things, because I'm afraid that God is going to answer. Amen? You know, all of us, we we fear ourselves because we know we can do great things, and so we kind of don't ask for those things, because we know in us we can do great things, and that's for all of us. Another brother prayed, God, I'm too soft. Again, we're young to college students, we're very foolish. Our, our brain hasn't developed yet. And so he prays, God, I'm too soft. Make me tougher. Let me experience some pain. And he's telling me this story, and I'm like, why did you do it? He's like, I don't know. I'm never going to do it again. And so he said that uh, he, uh, he, he started having a toothache. And he was, it, says, it was the most painful thing ever. Another brother said, you know, I'm going to pray more. God, help me to pray more. 
and his radio just stopped working in the car. So I don't know what you want to ask for, but understand this. God can answer and will answer your prayers. We just have to ask again. You know, in uh, you're in uh, Luke 18. Stay there. I'm going to read from Matthew 7. Uh, in verse 7 it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be open. Our study today is not so much on how to pray. It's not so much of when to pray. But the heart of the study is why you should pray. You know, what is it that you need to ask God about? What do you need to seek? What door should you be knocking? Not what door do you want to knock. Which one should you be knocking? And going back to those college days, I was really afraid to step out on faith and do more for the campus ministry. I was afraid of failure. Can you relate? What if I mess up? I don't want to be a student leader because what if I mess up? A lot of times I'm like, I want to share with more people, but what if they ask me something I don't know? I mean, my, so much of my faith, my faith was limited because of assumptions and fears. And so as people were graduating the campus ministry, they were sent off to the teen ministry. And I was sitting there in the audience and I'm like, man, that student leader finished college, graduated, and is going to the teen ministry? I feel bad for him. They don't really believe in this guy. He's going to go lead the teens? Do they even get it? I mean, I was just a teen and I can't even picture myself being a disciple. I mean, that was just my thinking. And I turned to one of my friends and said, I do never want to be in the teen ministry. And, uh, you know, somehow, somehow, someone else was praying that they needed someone in the teen ministry. And God favored them over my perspective. But, you know, it took about a year uh, after I said that. And then a year later, I was asked to go to the teen ministry. And so eight years ago, I walked into this park into the teen ministry, thinking, hey, I'm here for the summer. Let me hang out with some of these teens. Let me show them what's up. And uh, eight years later, here we are, still in the teen ministry. I'm now married. My wife and I, we, we have a son who's going to be a year here in a few months. But more than that is, our heart is, we never want to leave the teen ministry. Now, now that I've said that, I don't know what's going to happen next year, because I've said this before. So, hey, it's all a part of God's, uh, God's plan. And so it's so encouraging to come here and uh, just kind of reminisce and, and reflect on what God can do. Amen? This morning, I really want to encourage you to identify just one thing that you need to ask God about. Perhaps it's forgiveness. And as you heard that song, Ask Again, you're like, I, I don't want to ask for forgiveness again. I've messed up so many different times. Hey, let me tell you, you can ask God Again, as long as you're alive, you have the chance and the gift, the opportunity to repent. It's never too late. Amen? While you're still, while you're still alive. Perhaps some of us need to ask, you know what? We need to just let go of our assumptions. I do need to do more. God, give me more responsibility. Maybe I need to talk to my 
ministry leader, my community leader, just my, my small group leader, and say, hey, give me more responsibility. Uh, what is it that you need to ask? Identify just one thing uh, for yourself here today. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. You know, what a privilege it is that we can pray. I mean, we kind of take prayer for granted. You know, prayer is talking to God. Prayer is a spiritual interaction with God. Prayer is more, much more than just words. Prayer transforms your thoughts. Prayer transforms your emotions, your perspective. You know, if you don't pray, you don't have a relationship with God. How could you? If you don't pray, there is no way that you can have a relationship with God. You know, often, running to different people, and I'm sure you have, you may be one of them where you know your Bible, you've been around church, you know scriptures, and you have some great insights, some very biblical understandings, and you're right on point. But often you find those biblical scholars, and as you have a different discussion, a different talk, and then, all right, why don't we go ahead and pray after this study? And then you hear their prayer, and it's like there's just no relationship there. It's a religious routine, the good I ought to do kind of prayer. You can just tell. There's no connection. And we've got to really be careful that we don't lean so much on what we know and neglect our times with God, our prayer times. You know, the title of the lesson is God Will Open Doors, persevering, a, a Persevering Prayer Life. You know, I'm not motivated to pray all the time. You know, I don't wake up like, oh, all right, I'm going to go for prayer. I motivate, I, I wake up and I'm grouchy. I'm like, man, it's, that was so quick. I felt like I just fell asleep right now. And I usually, the first words that come out of my mouth when I wake up is, I am still tired. But you know, prayer takes effort. You gotta push yourself. If you're waiting to get into it, you're not gonna get into it. Usually you, you get into it while you're praying. And again, it's that interaction with God. Amen? There are certain insights that you can only get from your times of prayer. Certain insights you cannot get from your Bible study. You can't get from a church service. You can't get from different sources. Only from your relationship with God through prayer. In 1 Peter 5, 7, the Bible says, Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. That God is like, give me your anxieties. You know, it's amazing how technology and communications has just transformed our world right before our eyes. It is such a unique time for us to be alive because we've witnessed this. You know, some of us, we remember pagers. You know what I'm saying? You get paged and you had to flip it over because there was like kind of like a message if you kind of played with the numbers. Our, you know, our teens today is like, pager, beeper, what? Uh, it's amazing, just in a, a small, short years, just how technology has just transformed. It's changed our world. 
You know, today, there's more users on Facebook than there are voters in the U.S. There are more people online on Facebook today than than there were on the planet 200 years ago. You know, the reality is more people cast their anxiety on Facebook than they do on God. More people care about what others think about them on Facebook than care about what God thinks about them. You know, it's so easy to go to your photos on Facebook, right? And let's be honest, I'm sure you check your own pictures. And you've gone through them several times and you go through them again. Let me just check my pictures. You don't say it out loud because it just sounds prideful. But you know, it's, it's the selfishness in us that goes and we scroll and you typically find the pictures where you look really good. And you kind of, you kind of stay there a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Now, there's a reason why I'm sharing that. Tell you something about me, but let's move on. But you know, there's no way that none of us would say, you know what, I'm, I'm not, I'm through with the internet, I'm through with cell phones, I'm just gonna be on my own here. In fact, one day without our phone, it's like, we have a panic attack. You know, we feel that way about our technology, our communication devices, but do we feel that way about the opportunity before us that we can communicate with the living God? That he's the one saying, hey, ask and I'm going to give you. Knock, seek, you're going to find it. I'm going to open this door. He's the one saying, hey, come to me. Cast your anxieties on me. I care for you. Don't just toss it out there to cyber pace. Tucked in today. That's not really going to help you. And I know that's kind of silly, but you are developing a habit of dealing with your issues. And it's a bad habit where you're releasing that anxiety to no one but everyone. Are you truly praying and casting your anxieties on God? When you compare God, the living God, the God of the Bible with all, completely all other religions, or gods or goddesses. God is the only one who approaches and searches and seeks His creation. All other religions, all other gods and goddesses, the creation has to fight their way to get their attention. That's our God. You look at Greek mythology, the gods are jerks. They're just messing with the people. They're just selfish. Any other religion, you got to do all kinds of things to get their attention. God is completely the opposite. He's the one saying, I've come to you. Not just that, I'm sending my son for you to draw your attention. The scriptures we just read, the song we just sang about, is it's from the perspective of Jesus talking to us. So if you're not praying, what does it say about you? What does it say about your, your heart? This is very, very serious. In, in Luke chapter 18, again, you see the heart of Jesus here in verse 1. 
He says, Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. This is Jesus. You may be self-condemned, like, I can't pray, I'm the worst sinner ever, I can't, I messed up again. God is saying, no, 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 no. Your thoughts and your sin, they don't define my love. You need to come to me. He's going out of his way to persuade us to not give up on prayer. So we have to ask, have you given up on prayer? Let's scroll down to verse 9 and see where you're at here. Luke 18, verse 9. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. God, thank you that I am who I am. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. All of us are in danger or are naturally drifting towards being like the Pharisee, where we focus our prayer on ourselves. In fact, a lot of times we don't pray based on how we feel, or we pray based on our circumstances. So we let us define our prayer life. You really need something, you pray. Everything's kind of good, everything's at a standstill, you don't pray as much. We go on vacation, the first thing that gets out of our schedule is our prayer time. Just naturally, we are messed up this way. But it it takes the right heart. And again, the point of our study today is not so much the how, the where, or the when, but the why. Why did this tax collector pray? You know, he prayed because he knew he needed God's mercy. Why should you and I pray? Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. Is God's mercy available to us? Yes. Do you want God's mercy? Yes. Do you need God's mercy? All of us need God's mercy. So why should we have a life where we pray every day to God? Because you and I, we need mercy. The Pharisee prayed about himself. He was entitled. He was religious. 
It was a ritual. The other man, he understood where his heart was. Let's understand where our hearts are. Often this passage is misused by people that are victims in their own mind. Oh yeah, I'm just a sinner. I can never, I can never repent. No one's ever perfect. I can never go to church because I know I'm not living it. That sounds like a great excuse, but it's not. It still is an excuse. You see, they both showed up. But one of them showed up with his heart there. He says that he didn't even look towards heaven. That means he knew where to look, but he just humbled himself. He didn't shut up. He, he spoke up. He shared where, where he was at spiritually. One prayed to God. The other prayed to himself. He just went through the list of all the things that he has done. You know, you look at our society today. You look at the people around us that they don't really see a need for God. And they're a lot like the Pharisee, meaning they're great people. The Pharisee, he didn't really do anything wrong. His heart was in the wrong place, but look at the things. He fasted. He tithed. He didn't rob He wasn't an evildoer. He was faithful to his wife. He was grateful for these things. But he exalted himself. He stopped seeing himself as someone who needs God's mercy. We pray, and we pray often, and we pray daily when we understand we need God's mercy. Amen? And God's mercy is available. God's transforming power is available. God's invitation to you, cast all your anxieties, pray, persevere, don't give up, is available to us. In verse 8, it says, I tell you, he will see that he gets justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus is associating faith and prayer. He says, hey, people may stop praying, so when I come back and no one's praying, I'm going to find no faith. So if you're not praying, the Bible is saying, hey, you have no faith. Let's get some faith. Amen? And hopefully today can spur you on. You know, there's a lot of challenges that we go through. There's a lot of reasons why we uh, cut ourselves short and we stop praying. You know, often... We ask God for too little. And we want it too quickly. And we don't get it. And we stop praying. We need to persevere in our prayer life. God's timing is always going to be, is going to be perfect. You know, at this time, uh, one of our teens here, Matthew Keese is going to come up. And he's going to share some things about his life. Uh, Matt Keys is a disciple in the team ministry in the West L.A. He's been serving and helping here in the South Bay. And he's going to share a little bit about his life. Go. Hey, guys. Well, hello, church. My name is Matthew Keys. I'm 16 years old, and I'm in the great Coast L.A. team ministry. And uh, I'm actually in the West, but I came here for about a month to help out the uh, South Bay teens. And uh, it was great. 
and I loved it a lot. And right now I'm here to share with you uh, um, what, what I was asked to share. Um, a few days ago, I was in a Bible study, and the guy who I was studying with asked me, what was the hardest time for you spiritually? And I thought about it, and this is what it was. It was a summer going into sophomore year, and me and my family had lived in this apartment for about five years. And everything was great, but Satan was attacking my family. And the landlord of that apartment was trying to commit fraud, and he wanted us to agree with it. But my parents, the great disciples that they are, did not stand for it. And so the landlord said, you got to go. And we left. And that was a pretty traumatic experience. Nevertheless, my parents' best friends at the time opened up their home. Uh, it, was a, it was a pretty tight situation. It was nine people to a two-bedroom place. And uh, we managed, though. And, but it was really hard. And it was never long-term. So we stayed at a hotel. And that was all right, but it was never home. Plus, it was never predictable where we were going to stay the next day. And I just remember being scared and just, like, thinking, what the heck, you know? And um, You know, just being in that predicament was really sad and really hard. And uh, I just remember crying out to God one day um, and just asking him, God, why would you put people that love you in such a bad predicament? And... Sorry, guys. Okay. Okay. I. I. I mean, at this point, I wasn't doing well. I lost all. I lost almost all faith in God. My faith became like leprosy. Little by little, it kept falling apart and falling apart. And I just remember, you know, uh, I just remember uh, just being in that hotel, and it was really scary, and just realizing that, you know, tomorrow I could be homeless. And, yeah, I was never on the streets, but just to have that fear was just crazy, you know. And then my parents, you know, they they did a great job. They made it very, very easy for me, me and my brother. I remember uh, just we did not miss one church service being in the hotel. We hardly missed any teen events, and it was all because of your parents, my parents. And, you know, I just want to let the parents know, you, you, every ride counts, and everything you guys do really does, they really do count. And, you know, even though, you know, us teens might not always show up, we, do, we really do appreciate you. Um, but um, my faith was still hurting. And I remember I almost lost all faith in God. And then I remember one day just, um, just, I remember one day just um, crying to God and asking him, why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? Because that question kept popping back up in my head. Like, why would God put people that he loved in this predicament? And I, and I came to, conclu- to a conclusion saying that God doesn't love me because he wouldn't put people he loves in this predicament, you know? And it was really sad. It was really hard. And I just, I remember, 
the next week, there was a church service, and the man who was preaching said, life isn't fair. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, you're right. It isn't fair. <laughs> and, but then he finished off by saying, I'm glad life isn't fair, because Jesus died on the cross, and that wasn't fair. My mindset changed after that. I remember feeling stupid, foolish, and just, I felt ashamed to call myself a disciple. I was two years old spiritually at the time, and I wasn't, I, I didn't have a relationship with God for two months. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't do anything. And then I remember going home that night and just praying to God faithfully. And uh, just, you know, pr- God opened doors, and I persevered in prayer. And I just remember praying and just saying, God, you know, change things in my life. So that night, um, I mean, the next day, my, my heart changed. I was good. I started reading my Bible again. And uh, things in my life started changing. We came into some good money, and we moved into a duplex that was owned by disciples. And their names were Hezzy and Alberto Mejia. And, you know, it was really cool because I remember moving day, and I just remember, wow, this is home. This is, I felt so comfortable. I felt so good, you know. And I didn't feel like that for a while. Um, that whole year was basically hard for me. And it was uh, February of 2011 that we moved in to the Mejia house. Not in their house, but, you know, in the duplex they owned. <laughs> and uh, I just remember, I just remember feeling happy and so grateful to God that we lived uh, at a place that was owned by disciples. And God opened doors for my family, and it's because we persevered in prayer. And I remember, I remember uh, just God opening doors for the Mejia family, and I remember just having uh, studies with Tino Seo, and we, we were studying the Bible with Rene Mejia, and uh, he's Alberto and Hezzy's son. And I remember uh, just... I just remember his soft heart and just the heart he had toward reading God's words. And I was like, wow, I'm envious of this guy, man. <laughs> I want this heart. And I remember uh, on August 21st, we baptized him, and he became your brother in Christ. And, you know, everything, everything turned out well. You know, we still live in the same place. Uh, Renee is still a faithful disciple. <laughs> and, um, you know... The reason God blessed me is because I prayed faithfully. And he always opens doors, but you just have to persevere to see them. So what I want to leave you with is if you're struggling or if you're in a predicament like I was, pray. Because prayer prayer really helps. And God's always opening doors. You just don't pay attention. I'm just going to keep it real. And uh, so just pray faithfully, persevere in prayer, and uh, God will bless you beyond what you can imagine. Thank you. Let's turn our Bibles real quick as we prepare our hearts to take communion in Mark chapter 14. Yeah, I asked Matt to share that because I was in a Bible study with him. And as he started sharing this kind of on the spot question, uh, I was almost in tears. I'm like, Matt, you got to share this. Uh, plus, I'm preaching, so you got to help me out. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing. The lesson that Matt learned right there, uh, the lesson that the whole family learned, it's a, it's a lesson that, that's, that's built their faith for the rest of their life. Uh, that God did great things to even have 
another teen become a disciple. Renee is actually here. There's Renee in the back. Renee, if you can stand up. That's Renee. And uh, Renee is, uh, is a great brother, brother in Christ there. You know, the bottom line here is Jesus asked for us. He's calling us to ask. He's calling us to seek the will of the Father just as He did. You know, Jesus is not calling you to do something that He Himself has not done. Jesus will never ask you to do something that He Himself has not done. He's calling you to follow Him. Jesus persevered in His prayer life. Imagine the pressure you would feel if you were Jesus that one sin can wipe out God's plan. That's pressure. Can you imagine what He prayed like? The intensity, the desperation. He knew He needed the Father's power each and every day. Let's feel this way. Amen? And we see here as we uh, prepare for communion that, you know, as Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before, minutes before He's arrested and taken, we see Him praying three different times, trying to get His heart right. And in verse 32 says, They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to His disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter, James, and John, and, and James and John along with them, and He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said, stay here and keep watch with me. You know, Jesus was just real about how He felt. He wasn't like the Pharisee, just an outline ritualistic. He was more of the heart of the tax collector. I need your power right now. And He wrestled. This is my will, but this is your will, Father. Let your will be done. And He had to pray three different times. This is Jesus. He's waking up the guys. Guys, wake up. Help me. Imagine if you were Peter and your Lord, your leader is asking you for help. The Bible says that in one of those times he, he, was, he began to sweat like drops of blood. Imagine in one of the times he came to wake you up, there's like blood in his face. Like, what happened? And he's like, wake up. Pray. Watch and pray. And then he'd go back and pray. And then the third time, the Bible says that he prays the same thing. In verse 41, returning to them, he prayed the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! And that may be the message for you today. Enough! Prioritize your times with God. Enough! Don't have a Pharisee heart. Enough! No more victim mentality. Enough! Imitate Jesus. Ask again. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed to the hands of sinners. Rise! Let us go! Here comes my betrayer. He went from being overwhelmed to the point of sorrow to saying, let's go. Bring it! So excited. Why? Because He prayed. Let's pray. Let's ask again. Let's persevere in our prayer life. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Let's take communion. Let's make one decision about our walk with God today. Father, we're so grateful that You pursue us. It's so humbling, God, because we are sinners. We do need Your mercy, and so often we don't notice that we need Your mercy. 
So often we're out of touch, but we're grateful, God, that you remind us and encourage us and that you're okay with having us ask again for help. You're okay with us asking again and again and again for your forgiveness, for for your guidance, for your assistance. Thank you that you're a willing God. Help us to be a willing people. Help us to respond to you. Help us to make an enough, enough decision for you today. As we think about, uh, Father, the cross, as we take uh, the juice uh, and the bread that represent your blood and your body on the cross for us, help us to have a tax, or li- a tax collector type of heart where we know we need your mercy. Help us to be humble, God. Help us to be eager to follow you, to imitate you, to repent, God. Help us to not forget that we have been called to have a relationship with you, that we are not called to be church attenders, but to be disciples. We love you. Help us to have a great rest of the day and help us to make one decision. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.